Okay, so basically we're positing over here that our experience of life gets created from the inside out and not from the outside in, okay? What, and not only is it being created like that from the inside out, I'll tell you what that means in a minute, but it always has been being created from the inside out, not the outside in, whether realized or not, that we have an inside out experience of life, that's how we're hardwired, that's how we're created, that's just how it goes, like gravity. Like gravity, before they realized gravity, was it working? Yes. We just didn't articulate it and know that it was gravity, right? And there was lots of ramifications of knowing being able to articulate it and explain it. But thank God, we knew that there's a universal constant, so you don't just go floating up to Shemayim, right? Because there's a, there was a force, there was a principle, there was something always in action uh, there. And it's the same thing with our human experience. There are principles that have been revealed that uh, describe and articulate and explain all human experience from the inside out. It's an inside-out understanding. And what inside-out means, to make it simple, I put a whole, uh, I made this diagram over here. So if you could read it, if not, I'm not the best artist. But I have on one side, inside-out, which means thought in the moment. Uh, and tonight, really, I want to uh, harness in on the moment part of it, what that means in the moment. And we're going to talk about living in the now, feeling content and happy. Okay? Thought in the moment, whatever comes to you in that moment, that's what you feel. And you can't feel something if you don't think about it. That thought and feelings are one and the same. I heard uh, someone say recently, I was saying this last week, I think called feelings. That thought and feelings really should be called feelings. That it's so, the thought-feeling connection is so instantaneous. It's so boom, 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 right? That it's called feelings. It's, it's a direct, it's a perfect circuit. Your thought and feeling connection is exactly there. And what that means is that always we can't have an experience without thought involved in that experience, right? So in other words, we don't have a direct experience of reality. So, which means, bringing me to the next point over here, that we have a, it's a subjective reality. That whatever goes on in here, that's what I see out there. So, as I say all the time, like, I don't have a relationship, Effie's not here tonight, but I always say, I don't have a relationship with Effie, but I have a relationship with my thinking about Effie. That's my wife. I have a relationship with my thinking about my wife. And as my thinking changes, and my feeling, along that, my feelings change, because thoughts and feelings are one and the same. So, I have a different experience of her. So in other words, it's a subjective reality. I don't have a direct experience of life. Whatever I think, whatever I feel in that moment, that becomes my experience of reality, okay? And that is synonymous. All these words are really all synonymous with each other. It's just trying to go beyond the words. So uh, that's truth, right? Because that's the truth of how our experience is created. We don't have a direct experience of anything. For example, out of uh, how many people sitting around this table, everyone's gonna be thinking different things. Right, I like this, I don't like that, this would make sense, this doesn't make sense, I don't know what he's talking about. Right, Three people watch a movie, one per person thought it was good, the other person thought it was terrible, and the other person just was disinterested. So what was the movie, objectively? It's whatever you thought it was. Pretty simple, right? And I don't want to take this understanding out of the simplicity of it, because it's just, it's simple. Uh, and that is also synonymous with God, which in the principles world, it's also synonymous with universal mind or divine mind, that there's a universal intelligence, the energy of all things. 
uh, which is feeding us thinking, giving us thought, this power of thought. And then, which is one, which our experience is one. Going slowly through this, just, you know, our experience is one, that there's one source, single source behind our entire experience of life. And when I say thought in the moment or God or truth or subject to reality, it's all one and the same. It's all like when you say thought, it's really synonymous with saying God. When you say God, it's synonymous with saying thought. Right? So it's all one and the same. And then there's outside in. Outside in means you think you have a direct you know, connection with reality, which what we don't. Right? Or you don't include thought into your experience. Or that means saying that you're living in falsehood and you're not living in the true way the reality really works. Or it's like saying there's no God here, there's no Hashem, right? So the cool thing is, is that like, I've been thinking about this a lot and it's really interesting to square it up like this. So it's like you're either inside out or you're outside in. You see, you're either inside out, you're either understanding, you're in line with the way your experience of life is created, with the oneness of life, the majesty of life, the whatever you want, the wonder of life, right? And you're including thought in the moment into your experience, or you're not. Now, here's the jump that I want to make, okay? Clear so far? Clear, right? Here's the jump I want to make. Uh, Even when you think it's outside in, it's never really outside in, right? It never was outside in in a million years. It never is outside in. It just looks to you that it's outside in, right? Even when you think you're, you're, uh, even you think you're far from God, or you know what's really happening, and things appear objective to you, and you really know because you know, right? And you're thinking, oh, I'm outside in, you know. It never is outside in. That's just not the way it works. So the outside in, in other words, is an illusion. The outside in, thinking that something could cause a feeling in you, thinking that something has the power over you to make you feel a certain way is an illusion, right? It looks like someone can make you feel something. It looks like something or someone or some concept or some idea has the ability to make me feel a certain way. But you see, that's not the way the system works, right? Never work like that, never does work like that. Never, it just, I don't know what else to say about it. Just it's an illusion. It's a joke. It's a cosmic joke. In other words, it means you think that you're far from God, or you think that you actually know because it's objective, or whatever it is. So therefore, you're living in misunderstanding. Even that misunderstanding is the truth. Is you're really always living in understanding. You cannot be living in an inside in a non-inside-out way because that's how it works. But it just appears to us that it looks like outside in. So you see, so no matter where a person goes, they're always, you know, uh, a thought away from from perfect mental well-being, right? So if you think, so just talk about some of the fallouts, right? If you know how it works, you know how it doesn't work, right? So how doesn't it work? Someone doesn't cause your feelings. Looks that way. Maybe it sounds that way, but that's not the truth of how our experience works. That no one, that no one can make you feel anything. It looks like they could if you give the ball over to them and I say, here, my kids, like I was around with my kids before, you know? So a, uh, one of my kids gives me a hard time doing homework always. So it's like, come on, just do the homework, you know? And I feel myself getting like all choked up, you know? But the truth is, is that she has no power to make me feel a certain way. 
So sometimes I see that, sometimes I don't, you know, but it's really helpful because I know when I take a step back, uh, I just reset and I don't need to yell at him or get annoyed at him because he's not the cause, he's not the true cause of my feelings, right? He's not the true source of my feelings. He's not, uh, he has nothing to do with my feelings, in fact. But it looks, it looks like someone else has something to do with your feelings, but that's not really, that's not really how it works. Okay, I'm done. I'm joking. So basically, I mean, what, you know, to talk a little bit more about this. So when you think things are outside in, so then there's lots of, you're living in misunderstanding, so there's lots of ramifications of that, right? Who becomes your problem? Your spouse becomes your problem. Who becomes your problem? Your parents become your problem. Who becomes your problem? The family event that you're about to go to with all these horrid family members that you just, they just don't get it, right? They just don't see it. And, you know, what becomes the problem? You know, your wife doesn't get the kids dressed nice enough or she gets them dressed too nice. It's a problem, right? So now you're getting, you're going to think about it. You're going to work yourself up about it. You're going to try to manipulate them. You're going to try to manipulate your outside circumstance. And usually what happens is you feel worn down and you feel really upset about it. So like an example that happened to me the other day is I was at a family. uh, We had a weekend even before going into the vent, I was like, oh gosh, this is gonna be like this, and this is gonna be like that, and how am I gonna deal with it? How am I going to deal with this person, or deal with this thing, or they just don't do things, right? So even before you're at the thing, you're already riled up. So instead of being in the now, instead of being in the moment part, that's what I'm highlighting here, way before you're at the event, even though it might be, you know, might know months in advance or weeks in advance or days in advance, you're already stoking the coals on, you're already working yourself up before it even happened. So like, I always like to think I had so much time worrying about things that I felt like I could have been in a good feeling all that time. I could have been in the power of now all that time. I could have been in the moment all that time. And half the things that we think about, we think something has the ability to affect us. We think it's outside in, right? So we think that, whether it's uh, all these different circumstances we go. So if you think it has the ability to affect you, so you're gonna worry about it, right? And you're gonna try to manipulate it and you're gonna try to, you know, and while you're there, you're gonna be grinding the mill on your mind the entire time, so you're not even gonna be able to enjoy it. But I'm so grateful, I feel a lot of gratitude that I know this, at least I have a little bit of insight into it, you know, that it's inside out. Because when you just return to that simple moment, when you just return to, you don't know what you're going to pick up on your frequency in that moment, what's going to be. So then you're back to, okay, I could deal with this. Okay, this is not so bad. All right. This is the truth. Okay, they can't cause a feeling in me. And then you go from moment to moment to moment to moment. I actually had a wonderful time over the, uh, the family simple weekend. But when you know that it's inside out, not outside in, so you know, so for me, I no longer need to worry about all these different things that may or may not happen. Uh, just because that's just not how it works. So in the previous, when someone would flare up, I would, uh, I would be like, oh, look, you see what they do? You see? Oh, they're all, you know, and ready very quick to point the finger. But now I see their flare ups got nothing to do with me. It's not a representative of me. It doesn't mean anything. It's not outside in. That doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm less inclined to make meaning out of their flare-ups to say, oh, well, they're like this and this is that and, you know, go into a whole head trip about what's happening to them. And then we all become psychologists and we start psychoanalyzing. Oh, the reason why they're like that is because it's certainly not helpful to have a relationship with someone to analyze them. So when you, for me, knowing that it's inside out, 
and seeing that that's the truth of how we work, it's so significantly helpful and revolutionary because you no longer need to avoid all these triggers, right? You no longer need to avoid all these people that uh, were the cause of your feelings because the truth is is that no one was the cause of your feelings. Now, I'm not saying it might not it might not be a you know, if you're trying to quit drugs, you probably shouldn't hang around drug addicts. Like, sometimes it's common sense to, like, you know, put yourself in a good circumstance and things like that. Doesn't mean never, you know, you don't have to hang around with murderers if you're trying not to murder. But the point is, the truth, truth be told, uh, when you see our, ex- you know, that might be an insight that you get, like, wait a minute, this person's not, you know, feeding me drugs, and I, wanna, I don't want to do drugs anymore, you know? <laughs> What if you're just, what if you just shouldn't be around those people? Like you realize they're just not healthy. And why should you go into that environment? Yeah. That's. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have to go into that environment if you don't want to. And sometimes it could be an insider common sense, like these people are toxic, right. you know, and I shouldn't be there. But that's already, like, I want to separate. Like, that's not the principles already. That's like an insight that a person might get. Like when a person starts seeing the truth of their experience, so then they get a, it opens up a whole floodgate of wisdom. And then you may choose to, you may not choose to. That's your decision. Right. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. But what, what I'm finding is, is that like in my own life, understanding this, is that more often than not, I was the one with the toxic thinking. I was the one with the toxic feelings. Thinking that they, well, judging them and analyzing them and, you know, but the bottom line is, is when my mind is quiet, that's not my experience of that. But that's right? the same idea. It's like, well, if I wasn't a drug addict, being around other people that um, engage in drugs may not really affect me. But because that is how I am, I shouldn't be around those people. So you know what I mean? Like, understanding yourself and saying, well, I need to remove myself from this situation because it's not it's toxic for me personally. It's still inside-out thinking, but it's still... Like, correct, correct. That might be, that might, you know, that, you know, it, that might be an insight you get. Like, you know, this person is, you know, I'm not saying you have to hang around with criminals. You know, I'm not suggesting that, you know. But I'm just saying on my part yeah. that for myself is that, like, most of the time when I didn't want to be around people wasn't because, and I thought they were toxic, really had nothing to do with their toxicity levels or their anxiety levels or anger levels or, you know, uh, their social uncouth, you know, or whatever, you know, their lack of social graces. It really had to do with my own thinking about their lack of social graces, you know. It was still necessary for you to remove yourself in those situations because you were nothing. Correct, correct. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna do something horrific, sometimes you should leave. Yeah. You know, as a teacher of mine, Dr. Mark Howard, he used to say, when the elevator's on the bottom floor, you don't need to get out and visit everyone. <laughs> and I thought that was just a wonderful thing, like. You don't need to say everything that comes to your mind if you're feeling riled up, yeah. right? This just in, I really don't like you. This just in, you're the cause of all my problems and you always were since I was born. I hate you. Yeah. This just in, you know? And we grab our first thought and then we take it really seriously and then we start doing all these crazy things. But when a person starts seeing that it's inside out, so you start guessing yourself, wait a minute, I'm thinking and I'm feeling this, but maybe it's not true. I'm thinking and I'm feeling this, but maybe they're not the cause of my problems. Maybe I'm just living in misunderstanding. Maybe I'm just taking my thoughts too seriously. It's very case specific, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. I can't speak to specific cases, you know, in that sense, because everyone gets a different thing. Everyone has a different uh, circumstance in life. But the point is, is that when you see 
when you start to get wind of the inside out nature and how thought is the single thing that creates our experience of reality, so from moment to moment to moment to moment, so then you become free. And not only that, you become, I'm gonna make a jump over here into segue, you become more content, right? And you feel less uh, tempted to manipulate every single variable outside yourself. Now, you might wanna do that, you know, if you want a new job, go for it. I'm not saying not, but you become free, you know? And you become more emotionally resilient because it's not their fault, right? And if you see thought as the single source of uh, the creator of your experience, so how long are you gonna carry that angry feelings around with you? And this is kind of like what I was saying about this family event. Like beforehand and afterwards, I was still thinking about it, you know, but it had nothing to do with anything. It was just me carrying around this thought around, making me feel creating my experience to be a certain way. But when you see all that, that's all that's happening. So one, you get insight, you get perspective, you get common sense, you get flexibility, you get patience, but you also become more content. You feel less, that's dealing in situations, but on yourself you feel less uh, inclined or the need to change your emotional weather. Because you could just be, you know? So when you went to the thing, did you like change the way you thought about it before you went? No, I didn't change anything. You still had the same... No, well, it occurred to me, it occurred to me, see, I'm not saying that people should actively change their thinking. Right. I don't want people to, you know, because then we're back to CBT, and I'm not saying that, you know? Uh, you were just like, this isn't going to affect me. Yeah, you know, you come back to the now. I'll read you this. I'll read you this, you know? This is a... Uh, Okay, this is, I'm going to read like a selected piece or two from, this is one of Sidney Banks' books. This is called The Enlightened Gardener Revisited. So Sidney Banks, who was the uncoverer and teacher of this understanding, uh, who discovered the principles behind, uh, of our psychological experience. So he told metaphors, and he wrote books. And he wrote books. His books are like uh, Rabbi Nachman's Sapuri Maisios. They're stories. And one of his stories, he, they're beautiful stories. They're very simple. Books are very deep also. And they, uh, one of his stories about uh, an enlightened gardener named Andy. And, and these psychologists and mental health professions, professionals show up to a conference and they learn more. And, and it describes how their life is in shambles, basically, you know. And they meet this gardener who's just full of wisdom. And this gardener tells them about mind, thought, and consciousness, about the principles behind their psychological experience, and things in their life start to change. And basically it shows how they learn more from this gardener, this enlightened individual, than they did from their psychological theories, a man with no education. Uh, which mirrors Sidney Banks' story, because he didn't have, he, was a, he had like a ninth grade education, he was a Scottish welder, you know, so there's parallel there. But, uh, so over here, this is the, in, the, in this book, The Enlightened Garden Revisited. So they, uh, they go back to visit Andy like a year later, and they talk about the, the changes they had in their life. So I want to read this. So he's talking about living in the now. Uh, he said this. Now is not a thing that is tangible. Now is neither yesterday nor tomorrow. Now is a fleeting moment in time and is completely neutral. Now is all there really is or ever will be. Right? So I think that's powerful. Like all there ever is and ever will be is now. And now. And now. And now. And now again. In the moment. You know, from moment to moment to moment. When you come back to now, so you're back in touch with 
the majesty of life, right? You're back in touch to the present moment. So in this situation, it wasn't about me changing my thinking or uh, trying to get them to act a certain way and, you know, being very demanding. My wife needs to watch the kids so I can deal with this, you know, or whatever it was. It was just like, boom, let's just come back to present moment. <coughs> boom, come back to the now. You know, from moment to moment to moment, right, if you look around, what's happening? Everything's fine, but yet we'll still be miserable, <laughs> right? In this moment, what's happening? Nothing, but we'll still still rile ourselves up. How about now? Nope, still going to rile myself Before and after and during. So way after the event occurs, we're using our gift of thought to, or we're, mis, we're living in misunderstanding would be another way to say it, of our experience. We're using our thoughts to rile ourselves up. Right? What you have to realize is living in the now is living without negative thoughts from past traumas contaminating your thought system. Thoughts that prevent you from seeing what is instead of what isn't, right? So you're looking, you know, these negative thoughts that when, you know, you carry them around with yourselves, so it, it brings you down. So, like, I'll give you an example. It was my, mine and my wife's anniversary the other day, last night. So we went, we decided to do something we never do. So we went, we met a little bit earlier, like at five, and we went ice skating in Bryant Park. And it was a lot of fun and went out to eat after, you know? But everything could be perfect. You're ice skating and it's nice and you have a babysitter for the kids. But what happens? You're still thinking about, I'm still thinking about all these things that happened to me throughout the day, throughout the week, and all my thoughts. You know, so here you're in a perfect place, everything's nice, but you don't feel that way. Right? Because you're riling yourselves up. And the second I realize that, just come back to the now, that I'm carrying yesterday's contaminated thoughts with me. So it was just like, okay. Something happens in that moment. The second you see that it's inside out, something happens in that moment where it's just like you could kind of shed it, you kind of fall out of it. You know, like you fall asleep, you could fall out of your thinking and you wake up to your divine mind, to a higher place. But when we're always kind of judging how we're thinking and judging our experience and judging our feelings and carrying it with us, so we're living in misunderstanding of how our experience is created from the inside out, so it becomes really hard to do, right? Draw my thinking, how am I supposed to do that, right? Not judgment, how am I supposed to do that? No, but thought, you see, is the missing link. It's the, it's the bridge, right? Now you know how to do that because when you see that your experience is created from the inside out or the way the system works, the way it always works from the inside out, so you're less inclined to carry that thinking with you. And now you could kind of just shed it and rise above it, just fall out of it. Like I always say, like you could take the most mentally ill person and follow them around uh, at any point of the day and you'll see they're calm. How does that happen? It's because when they're not taking their personal thinking so seriously, they fall out of it and they come, to, they come to a higher level of thinking or they come to their, what I would call their true nature, you know, their deeper selves. So it's really amazing. It's really a, it's really a beautiful thing to see this. Uh, I'll read you a little bit more from here. Uh, Andy chuckled at her excitement. I'm skipping paragraphs. The way I see now this is the gardener talking. Uh, the way I see it, love, is your head is filled with negative memories and unhappy historical events. They override what is really happening today and never allow you to see today with any clarity. I can guarantee you that while you look through so much ghostly contamination, you will never, never know the beauty of living in the now. 
It's beautiful. I'll read that again. Just this one line over here. Uh, uh, the way I see it, love, is your head is filled with negative <coughs> memories and unhappy historical events. They override what is really happening today and never allow you to see today with any clarity. You know, again, boom, we're carrying it with us. Happened 10 years ago, we're thinking about it. Five years ago, two years ago, a year, a day ago, 10 minutes ago, right? We're carrying it around with us. Well, I don't really like this person because when we first met, they gave me a dirty look <laughs> 10 years ago. But every time I see them, I'm gonna remember, oh, that's the person. We're carrying around yesterday's negative thinking in our mind. We're carrying around these traumas, these things that we went through, and we're not living in the now, right? So when you see that, it becomes a lot easier to a, uh, not want to change your feelings so much. Like, however you are is okay, you know? However you're, whatever's happening to you, you know, it's fine. You could be happy, you know? I don't mean happy in the sense of like, yeah, you know, but like you could be content. You could feel secure, you know, because that's all that's happening to you. So what happens is if you don't know this, when I didn't know this, I used to think I was crazy. And I would put so much pressure on myself to feel relaxed. Why are you not relaxed now? Why are you relaxed now? I was like a taskmaster, like always judging my thinking. No, this is good. No, this is bad. No, this person is good. No, this person. Is oh, so you sounded like this. Oh, you sounded like that. So you're constantly judging the quality of your experience of life. You're constantly judging your thinking. But whatever it is, whatever's up next is fine. You know, start in the moment. You know, and not only that, like I was saying before, like this doesn't really exist. So you're always one with Hashem. You're always living in that experience of God, whether you whether realized or not, that's what's happening, right? So it's really exciting to me. It's really exciting to me because, like, I didn't know that. So I was always, like, driving myself crazy trying to figure out other people's problems and fix everything around me and manipulate all the variables around me. And again, there, there is a time and place to, I'm not suggesting don't do anything, you know? But when you see that your experience, there's something about seeing your experience from the inside out that it's freedom. It's freeing. Because I no longer have to pedal around my stale thinking. I no longer have to live in the misery of the past. And I'm free to enjoy the now. I'm free to enjoy the moment. Uh, whether I'm at a sort or whether I'm not at a sort, it doesn't make a difference because you know what? You'll always reset eventually. That's what happens. We reset. You know, but then we start, as I, I was talking to someone recently, I was saying, uh, but not for that thought, you'd feel good, right? <laughs> the problem is not what you're saying, is the problem is you're thinking that there's a problem, right? And you're thinking that there's a problem, it's taking you out of your well-being now. It's taking you out of the present moment. If you didn't have that thinking, you think everything was okay, right? And then, yeah. So the problem is not what you're saying, it is the problem is thinking that there's a problem, right? So it's cool how that works. What does it mean to be one with Hashem? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it ultimately means, but I think it means one way to talk about this as a metaphor, you know, is to be in the now. Is that when you fall out of your your contaminated thinking into a higher level mind, when you come to your true self, so that to me, that's called living with Hashem. You know, but you know, when we're always. Uh, Again, man unencumbered, you know, what the principles point towards is that man unencumbered by their thinking is totally healthy. It's totally natural. It's totally okay. 
and that this is our default setting. Sid, you know, I don't know if Sid used to say this. Maybe he did. I would have misquoted him. But, you know, we're loving good feelings. That's who we are. You know, unencumbered by our thoughts, we'd be, we'd be chill all day long. We'd be good, which is different. It's very different, right? Because we're used to hearing, well, you're a matter of your past and your psychosocial circumstances and your parents and your psychopathology and and the events that you went through in your life and basically implied messages you're victim of circumstance you're broken right because there's myriads if that's a real word myriads of circumstances that we're all subject to but when you see that it's inside out it's not that those circumstances don't exist but you're not a victim anymore you're not a victim of those circumstances so now you're free you see? And the biggest thing is, and this is like one of the major <laughs> things over here, is like Sid Bang's contribution, is that it's thought. That this transition happens through thought, through the power of thought, through living in the now. Right? So that's like Chiddush here. That comes through your thinking. That your thought is the missing link. Uh, I'll, read, I'll read another one. Uh, do people have questions? I could stop. Questions? Should I continue? Okay. Uh, if you remember that, if if you remember, this is what I tried to tell you last time you were here in England, that we live in a world governed by our own thoughts. Our thoughts create the reality that we personally experience. This is why I say the secret to all happiness and all social problems lies deep within the recesses of our own inner knowledge, waiting to be uncovered. And this is why it is very important not to be afraid to change your mind and to see a more positive life. I am sure in your life you have met stubborn people who claim with great pride that once they make up their mind about something, they never give in and change it. Or others who won't change their minds or apologize for some wrong they have done because they believe an apology is a sign of weakness. Right? So we live in a world, it's beautiful. I, I love his books, but they're very powerful. But, you know, that it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to say, I made a mistake. It's okay to say, you know, well, that didn't work out exactly as planned. <laughs> you know, but what happened before I knew this, before I thought thoughts were absolutely concrete. So no means no. Uh-uh. I, I said this last week, you were in a bad mood, and you yelled at your kid, and you told him no, but now you're not feeling it. Well, I can't renege on my word. No means no. Right? Or uh, I really didn't like that person, so now I still have to not like them. <laughs> Ludicrous. You can have a change of heart in a minute, the whole thing is different. Right? You could change your mind in a minute. You could have a completely different experience of your enemy. Boom. When we fall out of our personal thinking and we reach a higher spot, you're basically saying like you can rethink all your opinions. Like nothing's like set in stone. Right? Like whatever you think is like, okay, maybe that's, that's not really. true for right now and that's it. Like tomorrow it doesn't have to be. That's tomorrow. right. And not only that, all a belief is all a belief is is a thought you hold very strongly. That's it. Say that again? All a belief is is a thought you hold very strongly. Actually had an incident with a parent who um saw me talking to one of my kids and I like they made an argument about something and I changed my mind she's like I would never let my kid tell me what to do and I was just like okay like, <laughs> you raise your kids that way like I like that my child confused that I'm flexible and that it's okay to change your mind 
Yeah. With every new moment, there's a fresh batch of thought coming your way. Right? With every new moment, there's a new insight waiting to be had. Right? With every new moment, there's another opportunity. And they, uh, well, we become so rigid. No means no. (laughs) I was taught it, I know it. Like, this is something I can believe in forever. It's very hard to get rid of that and say, like, it might not be true. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know. Yeah, well, there, there are some beliefs you might, you, you know, if it's working for you, go for it, keep it, you know. But if it's not working for you and it's really bringing you down, you know, you might want to raise the bar, right? Because, again, what's a thought? Recently, I've been saying to people, if I take all the, all the thoughts out of your mind and put them in the room, how much room would it take up? How much room would it take up, Seth? Nothing. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> so that was a good answer. But someone today told me, I set, I set people up for this, it's not a fair question. They said it would take up the whole room. I said, no, it wouldn't. They're not real. Or they're as real as you believe them to be. Because again, the power of thought can be very debilitating, right? Living in misunderstanding and taking chewing on every single thought you have is, will be debilitating. But when you see that it's inside out, you no longer have to chew on this. You could chew on this. Try it on this right so uh, it's really it's really a cool thing you know so but he says over here like this point over here also that our thoughts create the reality that we live in our personal experience you know that that's all it is it's like whatever goes on here that's what we see out there (laughs) you know and like when we're frazzled inside here what do we see frazzled right when we're calm inside here, what do we see? We see calm. You know, when we're anxious in here, what do we see? No, no, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. No, 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 no. Right? And when we're calm, like, eh, it's fine. Chill. You know? Because whatever's going on here, as I say, our eyeballs have feelings. That's what we see. Whatever's going on over here, you know, or in here, our heart, whatever it is, that's what we see. You know? So everything looks anxious, and this person looks terrible. I, you're, you're chewing on your thinking again over and over and over, taking it really, really seriously. So it's really, it's really, a, uh, it's really a beautiful thing. Now, Sid says over here, he writes, I can't explain this. I'm, I'm not going to be able to explain it, but I think it's, very, it's worth to read. Uh, and he says like this, Andy took a sip of his lemonade before he replied. And he's talking about now, the power of now. Uh, because now is really all there is or ever will be. Now is every moment of every day in perfect motion. I don't know what that means. I'm just reading it. It says, a, uh, now is every moment of every day in perfect motion. Right? Because now is really all there is or ever will be. Right? That is just now. That's all there is. The future, I would say the future hasn't happened yet. The past is a ghost. It's gone. Now, and now there's another now, and now there's another now, now. And it's in that space where a person starts to feel psychological and spiritual freedom, right? When they're not contaminated by their personal thinking that they're taking, they fall into a higher level of consciousness, they fall into a higher state of being. Now, there's nothing wrong, per se, in, you know, chewing on your thinking, but when you see that the way uh, our experience is created from the inside out, from thought in the moment, so you just there's something about that that makes you stop chewing your thinking, 
<laughs> because like if you really saw that you were the source of your misery you'd stop but the thing is we don't really think that we're the source of our misery I think it's my parents fault and it's my kids fault and it's my job's fault and it's my life's fault and it's Hashem's fault and it's a lot of people's fault that I feel this way right <coughs> but when you really see that thought is the single source of your feelings that it's again feelings it's feelings thought feelings so then you'd stop you would just stop instantly Right? So like now, when I'm feeling myself riled up, it just doesn't make sense to continue. Or uh, this happened a while back. I was really upset at uh, my wife, and I started talking, and like I was so, I was livid about it. It happened probably a year ago, but this just jumps out of my mind. There are probably more recent examples, but I was a, uh, and like the, the, the veins started bulging from my neck, like, you know, I was like really livid. And then after about a half hour of me carrying on like a big fat baby, uh, I just started laughing. I was like, Effie, I can't do this to myself anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm like, I'm too old to be doing this. Oh, man. And I had a call tonight. I was such a headache. I took a hot shower. I went to sleep early, you know? And because it just doesn't make sense to keep riling yourself up over and over again when it occurs to you, when you see it's inside out and you're creating your own misery. You just stop. It's just, there's no point. You know, but if you think... If you don't see thought as the single source of your experience of life, and if you don't see that's inside out, so what happens is, is that, you know, I'd continue yelling at my wife for the next hour, and then we go to sleep, and then we wake up the next morning, I'd still be upset about it, or maybe not, I don't know, but let's say I'm playing this one out, still be upset about it, and then I'd say, we have to talk about last night. I'm waiting for her to make me feel a certain way. You have to, we have to, we, have, we need to fix this, you see? Because last night you did something or you said something that is not okay. Right? To me, that seems absurd at this point, right? But how many times does that happen to us? We go back, we revisit, we rewind, because we think it's outside and we think it's someone else. She's the, my wife's the cause of my feelings, right? So. <coughs> You just stop all the nonsense in a certain way, you know, it, it gives you that leverage, you know, to be able to do that. I mean, that's just one of the benefits of seeing that, that it gives you the leverage that there's no problem outside yourself that necessarily needs to be solved, right? That when your mind is quiet and then you go ahead and you proceed forward, so now you're in the best vantage point to make a proper decision to go ahead and see, you know, that doesn't mean there are never any problems, I'm not saying that, but mostly, 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 a person will see that the problem comes from within themselves, right? And now they're trying to solve something outside, they're trying to solve an inside-out problem with an outside-in method, so it doesn't ever work, right? You can never get your partner or spouse or whatever uh, to feel a certain way, it just doesn't happen. And then you try and try and try to either apologize or to do this or to do that or overextend, whatever it is. And, you know, mostly it doesn't happen. Then you start getting annoyed. Well, why isn't that person receiving whatever it is, this nice gesture that I'm trying to do? Well, what's wrong with them? And basically you're feeling insecure about yourself. So now you're upset. So you're trying to, like, you know, solve an inside-out inside thing with an outside of method. It doesn't work. So you wind up, I don't know if I'm being clear, but it's not a doesn't help the situation. Because if, if we live in an inside-out world, so the, the, the advice comes from within, right? The counsel that you're gonna seek is, is gonna come from within. 
But you take advice, you translate someone else's brain on your body. It doesn't help. Because it's not you. It's, you know, it's someone else. It might be a nice idea. But if a person gets an insight, a person sees their role in creating their experience, that they have something to do with their experience in life, that enough is alone. That enough is allows a person to see beyond themselves, to fall, to fall out of their ego and to be free and be content and be happy. Okay. What do people have to say? Check it in. Pass me a cookie. How does that not end up with you being treated as a doormat? Well, because no one else... Because Okay. Good question. Uh, the way I see it is that... Uh, you could only be treated as a doormat if you think doormat. You could only feel doormat if you think doormat, right? You could only be. You could only. I could not feel like a doormat while still being treated. Well, if, you, if that's not your experience, you're not. You're not treated as a doormat. Right? Someone else might say you're treated as a doormat. If that's not your personal experience of it, it means you can't be offended if you never take offense, right? You can't say that you can't be offended yeah, if you never take offense, right? But is that maladaptive? Is that unhealthy? Well, you could be abused and be in an abusive relationship, but you never feel abused, so cheerful. it's okay because you don't see it that way. Or... Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this on the recording, we'll delete it out, but <laughs> abuse means a lot of different things, you know? I'm not suggesting a person should stay if they're being abused. You know, it could be an insight they have that they need to get the heck out of there, right? right? But making that decision and making that choice will be very, very difficult for a person to do while they're under duress. They'll feel powerless to go ahead and do such a thing right. because it's outside in, right? Because, but when a person starts seeing it's inside out, say a woman in this case, starts seeing it's inside out, they'll feel that, they'll feel that uh, psychological and emotional and spiritual empowerment to go ahead and do that difficult thing of leaving. You hear what I'm saying? I totally agree. I just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. based yeah. on the way you're phrasing it, like it seems that you're saying that like, oh, everything is okay as long as I feel like it it's not. Well, again, you know, you can't feel offend. You can't. You can't take. A, you can't be offended if you don't take offense. You know, you can't feel bullied. You can't be bullied if you don't feel bullied, right? You can't, if you don't, right. I'll tell you a story. I was working in a, I was working in a school, sixth grade boy class, and I was talking about something called bulletproof. I was saying to the class that there's two ways, I was talking these ideas with the class, and there's a big bullying problem in the class. So I said there's two ways you could make yourself bulletproof. One way is you could dress yourself up in armor, then any bullet that comes your way uh, just bounces right off. That's what most people do. That's their, your defenses, your ego, your whatever it is. And then I said, well, there's a second way you can make yourself bulletproof. It's like in the Matrix, where the bullet just passes right by you by making yourself invisible. The bullet passes nothing for the bullet to take hold of. It just goes, pa it goes right past you. So I said, when someone calls you a name in the class, what they usually teach us for bullying is active ignoring, which is like, pretend you're not upset and ignore the person. But everyone knows you're upset. It's like a game, you know? Like, ignore the person and pretend you're not upset, but you are upset. So how are you going to pretend you're not upset, right? 
So I was talking about this, about letting things just just pass right through you, that you shouldn't be affected in the class, that you can't feel, you can't be bullied unless you think I'm bullied, right? You can't feel bullied unless you have bullied thinking. So as I was saying this in the class, one of the boys raised his hand and says, Shia, Shia. I said, you, over there. So he said, he goes, that's what we call bully proof. You know, that's what we call bully proof. Beautiful, right? That, that you're no longer affected by the bully. Because it's inside out, it's not outside. The bully has no power over you to make you feel a certain way unless you start thinking, I'm a victim, I'm a bully, I'm a this, I'm you a that. You also don't want to enter into a relationship with that person because they're a bully. They are. Whether sure, you yeah. Whether or not. Right, so I'm thinking about that. Like, you don't have to let someone in your life, but how does that, how do you, how do you balance those two ideas out where, like, this person doesn't affect me by what they say, but also this person is saying something that's very wrong and I should not be around them. Yeah. I need to let them know it's not okay. Like, um, we happen to know a couple that he always says very inappropriate, very not nice things, and she laughs it off. Well, he doesn't mean that. No, he'll say very derogatory things to her in front of us. Yeah. Um, and she laughs it off. I mean, that's an example of someone like, just going, oh, he doesn't mean it. But it's very, it's very inappropriate. I mean... Well, uh, so it's hard for me to comment on specifics. I don't know exactly what it is, but what I could say, you know, like I wonder, my question would be, what's her experience of that? That would be my question, you know. I don't know. Right. I have no idea. So uh, I can't, so I can't. Mean that it's okay she genuinely doesn't, it. it doesn't affect her. Yeah, so maybe it's maybe. Is that really healthy that she is unaffected by someone? Well, again, you're going, you know, again, like modern psych. You are fat. You are old. You are ugly. Like, yeah. in front of people. Yeah, well, it, uh, you know, again, what, I wonder what her experience of that is, you know. But I would say this, you know, like, just to answer your question a little bit more yeah. broadly, you know, like, modern psychology has taught we're supposed to be feeling a certain way. And relationships are supposed to look and be a certain way. And parenting is supposed to be a certain way. And... If, if it's not that way, if you're not feeling the way you should be feeling, you have a problem. And that problem needs to be solved and fixed. If your relationship doesn't look a certain way, that's a problem. We need to work on that. What if there was no way you ought to be feeling? What if there was no way, no particular way your relationship is supposed to be looking? Right? So, like, when I hear a question like that, well, isn't that a problem, or, uh, not exactly how you said it, but, unhealthy. what? Unhealthy. Isn't that unhealthy, right? So, what I'm saying is people have all different sorts of arrangements, you know, like, so now you're going to come in and say, you know, uh, well, this is, you know, someone told me a story recently, they were married, they are married for a bunch of years, and <coughs> they took one of their kids to the therapist, and the therapist... I'm stripping the story down for some of the details over here, but the therapist basically said to the to the couple who they have a very strong marriage, uh, your husband is doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong and you need to be able to confront your husband on X, Y, and Z in order to create a better balance for your daughter, right? And 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 uh, the therapist was driving the daughter's therapist was driving them crazy, creating all these problems that they didn't have, right? In their relationship, whatever their expectations were, the arrangement that they had 
was fine. It worked for them. It wasn't an issue. But someone else came along. But their child was in therapy, so maybe it was an issue. Well, their child wasn't, again, therapy is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but, no, but that doesn't mean that, again, that doesn't mean it's an issue, right? Like you're, you're slapping a label on it and saying, well, this is a problem. So what happened was is, just listen to how this played out. The, ther- the therapist got involved. They were fighting with each other for four weeks while, they were se- while the therapist called them in for collateral sessions, you know, while seeing their daughter. And then finally, they were like, what is this? This therapist making our marriage worse. Like, I never thought this was an issue. This works for me and it works for you. So it's fine. You know, like, so someone else came in and said, well, objectively, this is a problem. Outside. <coughs> We have to fix this problem. That's going to start with you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be good parents. I'm not I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm saying is, is like they were they had an inside out understanding of their relationship, how it should work. Now, someone else came in and said, well, that's not the way relationships should look. Right, but there are instances like neglect. Two parents agree, like we don't have to deal with this problem. Our our kid doesn't need it, and then their kid ends up getting worse and worse, and they end up in an office, you know, because of behavioral issues. And then they find out, oh no, actually, this isn't okay. You shouldn't be neglecting this problem. You shouldn't have been neglecting it for the last ten years. Yeah. So, well, it doesn't mean again, like. I want to be clear about this. It doesn't mean that there are no problems in the world. Like people hear that, like, oh, that means I can do anything? Like, right. I'm not saying that. Right. Well, I'm just, the, just to go to the simplicity of this, we're just pointing out, you know, how our experience of life is coming, brought into reality. Everything else beyond that yeah. would be like a ramification or an implication or trying to how to, how to questions, you know? So, like, that's already like there's lots of insights and lots of directions that this points a person in but again like i don't know how each person should handle every single situation you know or how it plays out for some how it doesn't play out for others you know but again that's already like like a step removed you know like but what happens is what i know for sure is and that doesn't mean like a person doesn't need to be educated on certain things right doesn't mean like okay well you know, like you need to know how to take care of a child, like you have to change your diaper, right? And this is how you do it. Right. You know, like it doesn't mean it's not to neglect that either. Right. You know, but there's something that happens, there's something really cosmic that happens when a person sees that their experience is being created from the inside out. <laughs> you know? Like when you see your experience in it, so maybe for a person they'll be more open to learn a new thing. You know, I don't know what the application of it would be for every single person, you know? But when a person sees that it's just that every that we're all working from the inside out, right? So then what happens is, is that they they stop living in misunderstanding. Now you're living in truth. It's like I heard someone say the other day, you have an easier time with your experience of life. I heard someone say the other day, uh, his name was Rudy Kennard. He's a, he's an innate health. He's a principles practitioner. So he said, uh, what was it? <coughs> He said there was a person who went to rob a bank. I didn't tell you this, dude, right? I don't think I did. There was a person who went to rob a bank, and what happened was is, is uh, the alarms went, and as he went to rob the bank, everything shut in front of him. And the alarms started going, and he's sitting there, oh, man. Oh, I'm screwed. They caught me. That's it. And he's trying to, he's like uh, pushing the door, he's pushing and pushing the glass door to get outside, and he can't do it, and he's just waiting there. And as he's waiting there, an old lady just comes from the other side, pushes the door, and just walks right in, right? And what was his mistake? The door, you're supposed to pull the door, not push the door, right? So like, if you don't know how your experience is created from the inside out, so you're constantly pushing, 
You're constantly pushing the door, right? You're, you're paddling canoe upstream, right? You're not working in line with the way that you work to get a more of a, you know, doesn't mean life doesn't happen, you know? It doesn't mean things don't happen, but if you're looking for insight or perspective or how to deal with things and you're pushing the door when you need to pull the door, right? So that's gonna create bigger misunderstanding. That's gonna work against you. You know, now that all happens, sometimes we, you know, we're pushing when we should be pulling, you know. Such but a good what? Such a good man. Good Not my original. Uh, but you get you get more out of your experience of life. Right? You get you know, you stop blaming and you start living. You stop being petrified and insecure and you start coming to be your true self. You stop worrying, right? You stop, uh, you just feel much better, you know? You feel much more like, and even if you don't always feel more relaxed, there's a uh, certain security of knowing that you got this, it's inside out. You don't have to be scared. Sydney Banks said, if the world, if the only, if, if the only thing the world learned was to not, if the only thing a person learned was to not be scared of their own experience, that alone would change the world, right? And that's such a beautiful thing because we freak ourselves out. Oh, it's not supposed to be this way, right? Oh, this is a problem. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, I'm going to be going to a family event. I need to be scared, very scared. <laughs> so we freak ourselves out. We're scared of our own thinking. Uh, is Michael Neal. He's a he's an innate health. He's a big three principles person. You know, he would say like, uh, you know, your feeling is a shadow of your thinking. Would you ever analyze your shadow? Would you ever do that? Oh, why is my shadow like that today? Oh, that's really weird. Oh, look at that. Oh, my shadow's funny. Oh, I have a really crooked shadow. Well, yesterday my shadow was nicer. How come it's front of me? It was it was behind me before, right? Why am I feeling this way? Oh, this isn't good. Oh, why do I feel so anxious? Oh, you know, this person makes me nervous. Why am I feeling nervous? You know, my parents, when I was five years old, they were very nervous people too. They made me feel nervous. You know, oh, why am I thinking so much about this? You know, reg normal people don't think about this stuff all the time. Oh man, this is just crazy. This is unbearable. I really don't like this. I'm very uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And we go on and on and on and on and on, you know? But when you see that it's inside us, what happens is instead of escalating everything, you de-escalate. You come back to what's true. Right? You come back to the moment, you come back to the now. Right? So instead of making everything bigger and bigger and bigger, like a, uh, I'll draw you this picture. What do people have to say so far? Right, not so far. Any insights, questions? As I draw this picture. I have a question. I'm sorry, Moshe, no questions. Um, teaching it to kids. Yeah. You know, like I'm not sure, like, to be more mature to like, I don't know, like getting into their heads like that is, what's your take on teaching this understanding to kids? Okay, hold on, we'll come back to that. That was a terrible question. Okay. Don't feel bullied. I'm not feeling, I'm not thinking bullied. <laughs> you can't feel it, right? It's invisible, it comes right through. Seth, you like this? Revolutionary, right? So simple? So simple. I knew you'd like it. Happy you came. Okay, you ready? Oh wait, I meant to draw with a with a crown. Take artistic liberties here. Okay. Uh, here's so here's a person. 
here's their problem. Now you can put that put put in fill in the blank for the problem. Whatever you think the problem is. Don't call up your worst problems right now. I'm not asking for that, right? And here's all the thinking you have about your problem. Right? Now, is a problem this big such a big deal? Probably not, right? But when you're thinking about your problem so much, it's as big as the Eiffel Tower. It's an insurmountable problem. You know who authored this one? Check, please. Me. You. Us. Right? That we have so much thinking about our problem, it takes us out of our uh, understanding, it takes us out of our wisdom, it takes us out of our common sense and perspective to, to figure out what to do, right? And this, again, like, again, like, what's a thought? Poof, it's gone, right? So when you see that, boom, now you're back in the game. Now you can figure out what to do. But we're constantly, Stoking the coals makes it harder. That's my little picture. Cool. I love talking about this. It's so much fun. It's like a, uh, it's exciting. And, and you should know. I, I think I said this last last group we did. Like I speak to the, I speak about this with all sorts of cultures and religions and ethnicities. And it's 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 the great it's the great equalizer. Everyone responds the same. It's universal, right? It's everyone sees this. Oh yeah, we. It's in this sense we all work the same. Sure, I think about different things than you. Yeah, my life is different than yours, but the very fact that I'm feeling my thinking and that it's we're working from the inside out is the same for me. It's the same for you. It's the same for all eight billion people on Earth, regardless of your race, religion, or anything like that. We all work the same, right? That's forgiveness right there. You ever have time forgiving someone, you see that they work exactly the same as you, you'll feel forgiveness. Boom. They're just playing out their thinking. So it's not that problems, problems only arise from thought. So you could see how all problems have the same answer. Right? It's not like if you would go to, if you go to like, a, like in the, you know, there's an addiction specialist and there's a, uh, eating disorder specialist, and then there's a trauma specialist, and there's an anxiety specialist, and then there are lots of specialists because there's lots of disorders. There's a mood specialist, there's a bipolar specialist. There's, yeah, but what if there was one answer to all these problems? What if they all lied in a simple inside-out, outside-in misunderstanding? One thing for all of it. You, this explains it all. So it's so cool. So no matter what, no matter whether you're chronically feel like you're suffering or whether you just feel like you have mild anxiety, same thing, no different, same thing, regardless for all 8 billion people on earth. So it's a, uh, it's really cool, it's exciting. Like we were saying last time though, like a person has to be open to accepting the truth of it. Well, I think people are. I think people are, you know, I mentioned when my... You talk, like, when you give talks to like, all these different groups, would you know like, if people didn't agree with what you were saying? It got back to me in one of the groups I was doing that people strongly disagreed with what I was saying. Mm -hmm. That's okay. They and still work like that. They could only disagree right. with me because they that's their thoughts. They don't understand it in that way. Yeah, well, 
I don't know. I think the North Korean ski team would have a different take on this because they have other adversity rather than mental health issues, right? You're talking about interpersonally, you're talking about within your own anxieties or, or problems, but true adversity does exist. Yeah. You well, Matt, well, you know, I've been mugged before and okay. un- un- unfrazzed by it. Probably because I was a teenager and I had no thinking about it. Smoked several times. Just throw rocks at my bike. Hey, Jew boy. Mm-hmm. Don't have any thinking about it. Why not? Well, well, no, no, not. I didn't even say why I didn't have any thinking about it. I didn't even say I didn't know to have thinking about it. If someone would have came along and said, "Well, that's a problem. They shouldn't be doing that to you," and you know, you might have lifelong, uh, there might be lifelong ramifications to this. <coughs> I'll probably have lifelong ramifications. For someone I was working with. I, I feel that I could say this story, uh, even though it's recording. Uh, there was a person I was working with who was uh, got out of uh, off the ski. He was basically he got out. Of, it was a terrible house fire that he was in. And he basically the the fireman saved him through the window, and he just got out. And he suffered a certain level of uh, poisoning from the chemicals and the flames and everything. And also, he had a certain level of trauma he experienced from it. So. He was seeing me, uh, and he was seeing someone else as well. And so I told him, so I said, so, you know, I assess him for trauma symptoms. Are you having flashbacks? Are you re-experiencing? Are you waking up? Are you having nightmares? You know, this whole checklist of things. So he said, yes, yes, yes. So I said to him, well, you know, that's very normal. Up until six months, that's very normal, you know. It'll happen for a little bit, but, you know, you'll get back to normal again because you had a near-death experience, so... I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay too much credence. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but you'll reset. I, I'm confident of that. The other person told him, oh, yeah, this stuff will stick with you for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, you had a trauma. That's trauma's damage. You broke your psyche. This stuff sticks with you for a really long time. You see how powerful that is? You see how powerful it is? I'm saying this example to show the difference that when you carry something on as a problem and you have thinking about it, now that's the problem. Yeah. Same example. So someone has a terminal illness, you can't. So he's saying something that's real something constant that's in their life right that, like that is. Well, it's not. Well, you don't have to be miserable about it. But you have again, this doesn't. This doesn't. C- correct. Yeah. It doesn't mean. I'm not saying there's never a problem. I'm not saying that. You know, but I, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. There can be a problem. No, but you. But he's saying you could still bring it to those people. This understanding. Right, but it's not going to help them because tomorrow they'll still wake up in North Korea. Well, right, to be blunt, you'll see people. You read, you know, you read *Man's Search for Meaning*, Viktor Frankl. You read Holocaust stories. You know these amazing sure. stories of resilience. You know how they would they would do acts of kindness. You know in in the in the concentration camps and. And there's just amazing stories that you hear about that and you wonder, like, how could that be? How is that even possible for such a thing like that? Now, with this, you could understand that a little bit, that your, your, your experience of life doesn't mirror necessarily what's happening outside of you. You know, it's not a mirror. It's not a tit for tat, you know, because a person could be in a really nice circumstance and feel terrible. You know, how many times have we felt stressed on vacation? A lot of times, right? Or a person could be in a very difficult tight squeeze situation and they could feel relaxed also and feel have a very quiet mind 
and deal with it appropriately, which has happened to all of us too, you know? So it's not like it's important to see that like, it's not a tit for tat. It's not like a mirror image, like our experience and our feelings about life is not a mirror image of what's happening outside of us. It's not, you know, that's just, that's obvious, right? So it's like even people that may find themselves in, and I'm not suggesting it's a wonderful thing, you know? But they find themselves in really, really hard situations. Like, like I read, uh, uh, my wife read me, I think, in this book, Holy Woman, you know, where the woman, I don't remember all the characters in this book, you know, that, uh, but the woman, one of the women were saying that, a, uh, that she was in Holocaust survivor. And she said, you think the Holocaust was a bad place? I was able to do mitzvahs there, you know, and you think concentration camp was a bad place? I was able to do mitzvahs there. In this other place in Siberia, they weren't able to do mitzvahs. That's something she was saying, you know, and it's just, it's not about doing mitzvahs, not doing mitzvahs, but it's just you see that, that she so possessed a certain level of freedom. Her experience, and certainly I'm not passing uh, judgment in any way, shape, or form, just gleaning a lesson from here, you know, that her experience, you know, she had a different experience of what was happening. Doesn't mean there was never hard for her. Doesn't mean it was never, you know, but... Like Viktor Frankl writes in Man's Search for Meaning, he writes that, and he writes his story about him, him in the concentration camps. You know, he writes that, uh, you know, there's a certain space that exists within each person where they have that ability to choose regardless of their circumstance. You know, that free choice. You know, he talks about the ability to choose happiness. And they, uh, it's because it's inside out. You see, if it was outside in, that would never be possible. Right, our our experience would be the exact mirror image of what's happening outside of us, but as we all know, each one of us would react differently to the same for difference to the same stimulus, right? Because it's inside out. We're all receiving thought, and it's coming alive. You know what a person does with that information is maybe a different story. You know, but a person who sees that there's lots of benefits, right? There's lots of implications that that will leave you with. You know, like the possibilities are endless of an inside-out world, of see, of insightfully seeing that it's inside-out. You know. But I also find that that sometimes I it's not really meant to. It doesn't mean everything's good. Mm-hmm. You know, in these situations, like sometimes I'll find myself anxious and I'll try to like fight it to you know. But but it, but that's not the point of this thing. The point is just to go with it, and if it passes. Passive. Yeah, if you're feeling anxious, just let it be. Right. It won't be forever. And I think usually, like now, but like, I, did, like, like I want to say this: like, there's nothing wrong with feeling anxious. Right. And a lot of times, I'll just say, like, to now, what I'll do is I'll just say, I must be thinking about something anxious. I don't even know what it is, but if I'm feeling anxious, I must be thinking about it, and then I just wait till it passes. Yeah. Like, if you're feeling a certain way, it's just an invitation to let go of your thinking. You know, it's a perfect system. Melissa asked you earlier about children and how to um, help children with this. And I also have that question too because I look at my kids and they're very different. One of them naturally has this more inside out kind of perspective and the other one is very much outside in. Yeah. Everything is happening to this child. The other one is, is much less like that and I don't know like how to help. Right. And how to like tell and also like 
in, in there and they're not mature. So like if you tell it to them like how they're gonna receive it. one is naturally it. like that, so I don't think it has to do with maturity either. Like so I, don't, yeah. I don't understand like what the component is to like help it. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say you know it's challenging. Each kids are different from the same family, so it's not that just shows how inside out the world is, right? Because we have two kids from the same family, the same parents, even twins, and they're totally different from each other. Like how that happened, right? Because it's inside out. It points towards that, right? That everyone's different, right? So a uh, one thing is, I would say, just as really strong advice to really, really work on your understanding of it. To try to, you know. To really do that, that will be the most helpful to your kids without even teaching it. And then they get it through osmosis. At least that's been my experience with my kids. You know, like, because it's part of our conversation. It's just part of how I see life. So it's like, with my kids, it's like, a, uh, I'll say things like, don't ask Abba for things when he's in a bad mood. Don't you know that? You know? Or ask Abba later. You know? Abba's upset right now. You know? Or so, like... Or they'll see, like, when they're upset or they're whatever it is, like, me and my wife don't take it so seriously. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, we have to make them feel better now, you know? Because yeah. they have to feel a certain way. And if not for me teaching them, they wouldn't know a single blessed thing, you know? <laughs> they're healthy. They're fine. You know, like, kids are great examples of it because they feel it and then they move on. They think it, they feel it, it moves on. Right? They think, they feel it, they move on. You know, and they and they do from moment to moment, and then it's over. So they're not thinking about it later. Meanwhile, the parent is thinking, "Well, what, what's wrong with my kid that he got so dysregulated when X, Y, and Z?" The kid's not thinking about it anymore. He's fine. You know. I apologize to my, to my kid the other day for like yelling at her when I was going to shut down. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know." Or they just feed off of it. Because what happens is, is that like what happens in relationships, is that. Uh, the relationships dissolve. Why? Because each person is waiting for them to make them feel good. So they'll go to therapist after therapist and they'll say, and again, this is without judgment, but they'll say, oh, we just couldn't work it out. You know, why can't you work it out? Because my wife always makes me feel a certain way. Or my husband, he just doesn't know how to do X, Y, and Z. You know? And so they're, they're both passive partners and watching the relationship dissolve. Right? But if you want, but you see, if you want a relationship to be uh, healed or mended or your best shot at it at least is to bring that spirit to the relationship it's inside out if you want the relationship to be a certain way you need to bring that energy you get what I'm saying? yeah nice okay we're done for today everyone thank you hi everyone Shai here I hope you enjoyed that class if you're interested in more audios or finding out more check out my website shyassessment.com, S-H-A-Y-A-S-U-S-S-M-A-N.com. I look forward to hearing from you and have a good one.